Welcome to the Gingsberg Podcast. After today's message, take a sec and download the Gingsberg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Gingsberg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step with your journey with Jesus. Hi. How are you? Good. What is the most important thing you need for the rest of your life? As I asked that question, several answers could have popped into your mind, could be bouncing around inside your spirit. Maybe it was right at the tip of your tongue. Some of you might be thinking, money. Man, I need money. I got bills to pay. They're piling up. I wouldn't mind to be able to retire someday. It'd be really cool if I could leave something for my kids. I need, I need money. Uh, for some of you, it might be, it might be health. You've had those conversations with your doctor. You've had the health reports come back. And man, you just, you just want one time, <laughs> one time to go to the doctor, have a, have a clean bill of health. The one thing you need more than anything else is health. Like you just want to wake up and feel good. Who knew that laying down could result in pain, right? Am I the only one? I'm the only one. Okay. Maybe for you, it's love. I just need love. Like I'm waiting for that, that person. I'm waiting for that one person in my life, or maybe you have that person and there's a disconnect, there's, there's some, something's missing in that relationship and the most important thing you need is love. And some of you, when you're thinking about the question, the most important thing you need for the rest of your life, you've been going to church a while and so you say, Jesus, because he's the right answer, he's the Sunday school answer, right? He's the perfect Sunday, it seems like a great place to play the Jesus card, right there, Jesus, Okay, yeah, um, but I, I want to I go a different direction this morning. I want to take a little bit of a different uh, tack. Now, some of you, uh, we, we celebrate those of you who graduating from high school, congratulations again, and there's a whole bunch of things that maybe pop into your head, pop into your mind when you think about the things that you need moving forward. You need maybe some more scholarship money. You, you need a roommate who's not a total jerk face. Uh, you, you need to figure out what you want your major to be. Maybe you need a letter of acceptance or a job. Maybe you need the best recipes that go with ramen. Am I wrong? Okay. But what is the one thing that rises to the top above anything else, above any other way that you might answer that question? Because here's what I don't want, particularly for the grads, but for, but for all of us, uh, the statistics say that the majority, uh, over 50%, of the students who are active in church in their high school years, active in their faith, when they graduate from high school, graduate from their faith. And I don't want that for any of you, and I don't want it for any of us. I want to offer us something this morning that if we latch onto it, if we incorporate it into our lives, it will lessen the chance that we push our faith to the back burner and maybe off the stove altogether. So it could be the most important thing that you need for the rest of your life. I would invite you to turn to the book of Luke chapter two, Luke chapter two. Luke is found in the New Testament, if you're new to the Bible, uh, which is the, the farthest right section of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke. And Luke chapter two can be found right after Luke chapter one. 
the passage we're going to be looking at today uh, takes place in the early in the life of Jesus. I, I find it fascinating that we hear um, a lot about Jesus at his birth, one little narrative about when he was a toddler. That's when the wise men showed up. They didn't, they didn't show up uh, at his birth, but a couple years later. And then we don't hear anything until he's 30 years old and he starts his public ministry. I find that fascinating, except for one story that we're going to look at. But, but first, we're gonna look at Luke chapter two, verse 40. Here we read about Jesus being presented at the temple when he was just a few weeks old. And here's what we read about that encounter. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. I wanna focus on one phrase in particular. He was filled with wisdom. And, and you might be thinking, well, duh, he's Jesus, he's God, so of course he's filled with wisdom, thank you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> but then, we fast forward 12 years, same, same chapter, same book of the Bible, and now we find Jesus in Jerusalem with his, with his family for the festival of the Passover. And this was a festival they celebrated every year uh, to remember and to celebrate when God rescued Israel from slavery in Egypt. And so they are there at the festival, and the festival wraps up and they all leave, but they leave Jesus behind. Quick side note, moms, dads, anytime you think you have failed as a parent, Remember, you didn't forget the Messiah, okay? You could have done worse. So Mary and Joseph were like, oh no, we left Jesus behind. So they go back and they get him. And they're like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, what, what do you mean? What am I doing? Like, this is where I'm supposed to be. And so they take him and they go home. And then we read in uh, verse 52, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and man. Did you catch that? He grew in wisdom. Let that soak in for a minute. God in the flesh, Jesus, who has all of the wisdom that God has to offer because he's God, continued to grow in wisdom. He didn't sit on that wisdom that we're told he was filled with when he was 40 days old. He had more life experiences. He had more ups and downs. He had more mentors in his life. He had people surrounding him, helping guide him through his life path, through life and loss and, and joys and sadnesses and childhood and puberty and all of the things that we have to journey through. And through all of those experiences, he recognized that he hadn't arrived. He had more growing to do. He had more wisdom that he needed to lean into. And so Jesus grew in wisdom. Now here's something I know about every person in this room. You are not God. You're welcome. And here's something else I know. Neither am I. So if Jesus needed to grow in wisdom, how much more do you and I need to grow in wisdom? 
And because of that, wisdom might be the most important thing that you and I need moving forward in this journey of life, whether you're graduating from high school or thinking about retiring. You and I need wisdom. Now, maybe you're, maybe you're not convinced. Maybe you're not convinced that this is the, the most important thing you need moving forward. I want to do a, a little thought experiment for you. I want you to think back to a time in your life that was particularly challenging, hard time in your life. Maybe it was uh, a time at work that was really hard to navigate through the things going on at work. Maybe it was a, a, a personal relationship, something in your family that was really hard that you had to work through. Maybe it was a difficult conversation that you didn't want to have and you didn't know how you were going to approach this person. And so that was your difficult situation. Maybe you had to make a really tough call uh, about a loved one. You've got that thing in your mind. For me, the thing that pops into my mind uh, was several years ago, uh, my mom had been a heavy drinker for a lot of years. And so my family and I, we decided it was time to do an intervention with her, which is a very long and strenuous process. It's not just going up to the person saying, you know, stop drinking, I don't like that. In our case, we hired a counselor who we met with every Monday night for two hours for five months. So much work. <laughs> so many tears. So much growth through that experience. Before that, if you had asked me, are you wise? I would have said, yeah, I think so. I don't do a lot of dumb stuff unless it results in people's laughter. Then I'll do dumb stuff. I, I like that. But I don't do, I, like, I'm generally wise in my decisions, especially as, as it relates to relating to my mom. But then on the other side of that counseling, on the other side of that intervention experience, I would tell you, I didn't know anything. I had so much more wisdom that I needed to grow into. And you might have thought when you walked into the situation that was in your mind, before that situation, you might have thought, yeah, I'm pretty wise. But then after you've had to walk through it, you realize, man, ah, I had so much to learn, so much more wisdom to latch onto. I didn't know anything before that. Greek philosopher Socrates put it this way, the only true wisdom is in knowing you know nothing. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> That's so good. True wisdom starts when we realize how little we know and how much more wisdom we can attain. So, so if you're graduating this season or if you're not graduating this season, I, I wanna take the, the remainder of our time to talk about how do we gain wisdom? Like if we, if we, if we agree or in part or in whole that it's an important thing moving forward for our lives, how do we actually attain it? And I wanna give you a few practical tools that we can use to attain it. The first source is people. Everybody say people. Awesome. Solomon, who's considered by many to be the wisest person who ever lived, wrote this about 3,000 years ago. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. 
You, you, you need something hard in order to sharpen an axe, hand, an axe blade or a knife blade or a sword. And Solomon, as wise as he was, recognized the importance of others in our journey towards greater wisdom. But it's not just anybody. It, it's people who have been further down the road than we have been, who have had experiences that we haven't had that we can learn from. Uh, as you may know, I'm not quite as vocal about it as some other Gingensburg staffers, but I am a, a Browns fan, which is, is most, thank you. It's mostly, a, you can clap, but let's all, let's all say what it is. It's painful. Um, it's a mostly pa painful experience. But um, I remember hearing year, uh, several years ago, um, Browns owner Jimmy Haslam uh, he was walking down a street in Cleveland, and some random guy on the street, random guy, said to the Browns owner, Jimmy Haslam, hey, you should draft Johnny Manziel, who was a great college quarterback. And so in the 2014 NFL draft, they drafted him. Now, if you don't know anything about football or what that means or how it turned out, we have a picture of how it turned out, okay? So. It didn't go well. Jimmy Haslam was listening to somebody. The way it should be done is how, how my family did it when we were going through the intervention with my mom. We hired a professional counselor who had experience in walking families through intervention. He, he could tell us what to expect when dealing with an addict, what to expect when we confront her, uh, what sorts of things to say, even where to sit in the room, what to expect in the days and the weeks and the months and the years after the actual intervention. He was further down the road than we were so we could lean on his wisdom. But it's not just hired professionals. Who are the people that you're surrounding yourself in that you are allowing to speak into your life? Who are the ones whose guidance you trust? Ask yourself, is this person leading me into further wisdom or further away from it? When I follow their advice, when I follow their thoughts, how does that turn out? We need those people in our lives whose wisdom we can trust to take us where we want to go. Which leads me to a very grad-specific piece of advice for just a moment, especially for those of you who are heading into college. Here it is. Find your people. Find your people. There are lots of people who are going to find you but find those people who are going to lead you and point you to Jesus and into further wisdom. Find a church. Find a campus ministry. Find a community of people who love Jesus and want to see you follow and love Jesus and will help you go in that direction. As one college student wrote to others, if I could speak at any baccalaureate service and address my generation, I would provide what I deem to be the most underrated, life-transforming, soul-flourishing, biblically-rooted advice I have. Show up to your local church every Sunday. 
Ask your pastor about simple ways to serve. Introduce yourself to an older member and glean his or her wisdom. And then joyfully greet those wide-eyed freshmen who desire the same authentic community. So whether you're graduating, or even if you're not, find your people. And you all who have, who have been on this life journey longer than our high school grads have been, you have the opportunity to be the people for our grads. Because when you walked in today, you received a card that, that asked what one piece of wisdom, one or two pieces of wisdom would you share with our grads? And so I would encourage you today, write those pieces of wisdom down on that card. We're going to collect them at the end of the service, and we're going to make sure our grads get them. So let them lean into the wisdom that you have gleaned in your lifetime. So first is what? What was the first point? Say people. Okay, awesome. Second, resources. Say resources. Resources, yes. So, now maybe this is my bias, but I love reading. I love reading. My, my family thinks I'm a nerd mostly, uh, but I love reading. I like reading for pleasure, but I also like reading things that, that help me grow and help me learn and help me be wiser. A, a recent uh, study by the Pew Research Center, uh, when they did it just a couple of years ago, found that in the previous 12 months before the survey, 25% of American adults had not read a book or even a part of a book in the previous 12 months, either a physical book, electronic book, even an audio book, like zero bookage at all. And that makes me so sad. Again, maybe it's my bias. It makes me so sad because we have, we have access to so much information and so much wisdom and so much of it is free <laughs> and we don't take advantage of it. Back to Solomon, he wrote this brief wise saying that was captured in Proverbs chapter four. Hold on to instruction, do not let it go. Guard it well for it is your life. We must hold on to the information, to the instruction available to us because Solomon suggests it's our life. And that's so true. This instruction that we allow into our lives and to change us can be the difference between living a decent life and one that is thriving, one that is growing. I have, I have a few apps on my, I've got a lot of apps on my phone. Uh, one that tends to dominate my time and attention is, is one that I use to listen to radio stations elsewhere. And I usually listen to uh, a Cleveland sports talk station uh, on that because I like to be sad. And... Um, but, you know, and up until recently, I would listen to that in the morning when I was getting ready, um, and then I would listen to it on my way to work, and when I'd go to lunch, and on my way home from work, and when I was doing chores around the house, I would listen to it just all the time. And recently, I'm like, really? Like, I, uh, they say the same thing over and over and over again. I'm hearing the same arguments over and over. I feel like I could be using my time more beneficially. And so now I listen to more podcasts, I listen to more audiobooks, things that will help me grow, things that will help me learn, things that will help me to become more wise. So you might be going, dude, I am not going to pick up a book. Okay, that's fine. There are lots of other resources, lots of other ways that we can grow in our wisdom journey. 
The great German theologian Theodore Geisel once wrote, the more that you read, the more things you will know. The more that you learn, the more places you'll go. Love Dr. Seuss. Utilize the resources available to you. So first was what? People. Second was what? Resources. Awesome. Third is experiences. Say experiences. Experiences are some of the best teachers that we have, aren't they? I heard a story about an employee uh, working for a company, and he made a decision that cost this particular company $50,000. Like, not chump change. This wasn't Amazon where it's like, that's like couch cushion change. This is like a big honking deal. And so when it finally came to light, when he finally realized what he had done and how much he had cost the company, the boss went to this employee's office the next day, and this employee had a box on his desk and was putting his stuff in the box. And the boss looked at him and said, what are you doing? He said, well, I assume I'm fired after that. And the boss looks at him and says, I just spent $50,000 training you. You think I'm letting you go anywhere? That boss recognized that that guy learned from that experience. He was never going to make that mistake again. We need to learn from our experiences. James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote this. My brothers and sisters, think of the various tests or the various experiences you encounter as occasions for joy. After all, you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let this endurance complete its work so that you may be fully mature, complete, and lacking in nothing. But anyone who needs wisdom should ask God, whose very nature is to give to everyone without a second thought, without keeping score. Wisdom will certainly be given to those who ask. Every single day, we have countless experiences and interactions, most of which are either good or neutral. And then occasionally we have those that are, that are negative, what, what James might call the tests we encounter. We also do things actively that turn out well. And then, then we do things that turn out like the aforementioned dumpster fire. The mistake we too often make is having the experience and just walking away from it instead of having the experience and learning from it. We don't learn from our experiences, but we need to, to grow into our wisdom. Socrates, he's also credited with the saying, the unexamined life is not worth living. Now far be it for me to argue with Socrates, but I don't know that the life is not worth living but how much richer, how much more meaningful of a life can we have if when we walk through experiences, we examine those experiences, we examine our life, we examine what happened and our reaction to it, and we learn and we grow from those particular experiences. So reflect and learn from your experiences. First was what? People. Second was what? Third was what? experiences. There you are. There's three tools to help you grow into wisdom. And if we were to stop there, you'd have a really good self, or at least an average self-help talk. My desire in life is not to be a self-help guru. I want more for you than that because 
you can only help yourself so far. There has to be something more permanent, something more eternal that we can lean into for our wisdom journey. Because here's what I know about people, they change. Here's what I know about resources, they change. Here's what I know about experiences, they change. And while valuable and important, if that's all we lean on, we're missing something. So as we think about acquiring godly wisdom as we, as we prepare to head into college or retirement, where do we start? Where's the starting gate? Again, from Solomon. Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. There can be some confusion around that word. Am I, am I, am I supposed to be scared of God? I mean, when I first became a Christian, I was, because he sounded angry. And hell didn't sound great to me. Sounded hot. I don't like hot. He sounds angry. I don't like people being angry with me. So I was constantly walking around on eggshells wondering, did I mess up today? And did that prayer I prayed at, at, at summer camp, did it take? Because I was scared of God. But I don't think that's what Solomon meant when he wrote that wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Years ago, I, I took a flight with my wife, Marcy. We were living in Missouri at the time. We were flying back home to Cleveland to, to visit some family. And so we're at the St. Louis airport. We sit down in our seats. Marcy says, I'm gonna go to the bathroom. So she gets up and she leaves. And I start reading my book because I, I read. And as I'm reading my book, something catches my attention out of the corner of my eye. And I did one of these. Because I saw the, the largest human I have ever seen in my entire life, before or since. Like, this, this, like he lifted weights, like, like all of the weights. He lifted all, every single weight there was because um, he was huge. Like his, his, his forearms were the size of my, my thighs, which are not big, but his forearms are big when they're this big. Um, like he, had, he was surrounded by other like bodybuilder types there was some convention or something, they all looked like children because he was so big. And so I decided, uh, I'm gonna let Marcy discover him on her own. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just sat there and read my book and she comes and she sits down next to me and she goes, Mike, do you think we, oh my gosh. And I'm like, I know, he's huge. And so now we're sitting there acting like we're reading <laughs> when in reality we're like, we're just, look, we're just gawking at this behemoth of an individual. Like, I can't believe how big he is. And then, uh, and th this, is, this is the honest to God truth. We got on the plane and we sit down and he sat in front of us. Y'all, he took up two seats. Like, he didn't like bleed into a second seat. He took up two whole seats, shoulder to shoulder. The woman with the drink cart had a hard time getting past his shoulders. It was ridiculous. Was I scared of him? Nah, I wasn't scared of him. I wasn't scared he was gonna do something terrible to me. Did I have a healthy fear of him, a healthy awe, a healthy reverence, a healthy respect? 
respect for who he was and the work that he had put into creating that body of his. Yeah, yeah, I did. That's the fear of the Lord, a healthy awe and reverence and respect for all that God is. John Wesley described the fear of the Lord as reverence and obedience to God. And one commentator on this passage writes that the fear of the Lord refers to moral obedience, the acknowledgement that everything worth knowing and all moral guidance comes from God. Everything worth knowing, the wisdom worth attaining, all of it comes from God. Friends, the heart of wisdom is falling in awe of God. That's the fear of the Lord. Falling in awe of God. And, and that begins when we remember that God created everything from the farthest away galaxy to the smallest quark simply by saying a word. It begins when we remember that God, God started writing the most beautiful love story from eternity past and continues to write it today through your life and through my life. It, becomes when we, it, it begins when we come to grips that we were as far away from a relationship with God as we could possibly be and that God, out of God's love, bridged that gap. It begins when we fully see and embrace the love of God, which was, which was shown through the fully God, fully human person of Jesus as he loved the outcast, as he loved those far from God. It begins when we remember that Jesus was the first fruit of resurrection when he walked out of that tomb that he formerly occupied. It begins when we rewind the tape of our lives and we see how God has shown up time and time and time again and continues to do so today. When we really reflect of all that God is and all that God has done, it can't help but to force us to fall in awe of God. Are you in awe of God? Or have we lost sight of the one thing, the one being who is worthy of our awe and respect? We call really great sports plays awesome. We call singers on American Idol awesome. We, we call pizza awesome. I saw two guys playing catch with a Frisbee and the one guy caught it and somebody said, that was awesome. It's a Frisbee. with so many things being awesome, with us watering down that word, we've lost sight of the one who is truly awesome, God. God is awesome. Julian Treasure gave a TED Talk, and in it, he was talking about the, the deadly sin of exaggeration when communicating, and he was talking about this word awesome. He said, if I see something that really is awesome, what do I call it? Everything can't be awesome, <laughs> but God is. God is awesome. 
God is worthy of our awe and our fear and our reverence. There's nothing I want more for you, whether you're graduating, whether you're looking at empty nest syndrome, whether you're working at retirement, whatever stage of life you're in, than for your life to be marked by wisdom. Wisdom in your relationships. Wisdom in your work. Wisdom in your money. Wisdom as you navigate life's journey, all of the ups and downs. Wisdom as you navigate all the wins and losses in your life. So surround yourself with a people who will lead you into greater wisdom. Invest in all the resources available to you to lean further into wisdom. Learn from the experiences that you walk through in life. What is God trying to teach you through that experience? But before you do any of that, let them be born out of a deep and a passionate awe of the God that we serve. May you fall more deeply and passionately in awe of God. Would you pray with me? God, you are awesome. You are the one worthy of that title. You are the one worthy of our fear. You are the one worthy of our respect. You are the one worthy of our admiration. You are awesome. And help us to never lose sight of that. Help us to remember how you've shown up in our lives. Help us to remember how you continue to show up in our lives. Help us to remember your character, that you are love and that you are just and that you are good and merciful, that you're all-knowing, all-powerful, all-seeing. Help us to remember how awesome you are. And I pray that that would lead all of us in the room and joining us online, that that would lead all of us into a journey towards wisdom. Surround us with people who will point us in that direction. Put the, put the resources in our path that we can lean into as we walk into wisdom and, and as we walk through experiences in our lives. Help us to know what those mean. Help us to be wiser on the other side of that. We love you, God. You're awesome. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you would like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Gingosburg app or online at gingosburg.org.